Welcome back. I am so glad you're here once again. As you know, every week I try to create a follow-up episode that is short, sweet, and all about the action steps from this week's longer podcast. So my objective is just to take the podcast from earlier this week, the long format, lots of talking, lots of deep diving, and just distill it down into a couple of bullet points that I want you to act on immediately to make a big impact in your business. So I want you to take what you've learned in the large podcast and then distill it down into a couple of things that you can actually do to make a big impact right away. I am your host of The Efficient Advisor, Libby Grywe, and I started, built, and sold a 100% referral-only planning practice that I grew to seven figures as a solo advisor with a crazy amazing team, all while working just three days a week and taking off 14 weeks a year so that I could be a mom, a wife, a sister, a friend, a daughter, and live a really full life like I know you want to. And I'm here just to walk alongside you and to show you how to do exactly the same thing and to help you take immediate action on the most important strategies in your business for scaling and organize, organizing and creating less stress. And to help normalize that, hey, sometimes you're going to be, you know, buying the giant bag of frozen chicken nuggets from Costco, and you're going to be slapping those on the table to your kids. And we don't live these perfectly balanced, perfectly Pinterest worthy lives. Okay. So we are about to transform your practice. And my objective is to help you build a business and a life that you love. So this week's episode was all about the life cycle of a business. And we talked with author Christine Timms, who sold her practice. And of course, as you know, I started, built, and sold mine. And Christine wrote a book. Like she literally wrote the book on this. And we we know every advisor who has who has started a business knows that there is blood, sweat, and so many tears and so much therapy that goes into building a financial planning practice. And we all want our value, you know, to be there when we exit, right? When we know it's time for us to go, we want a check that reflects the value that we created. And yes, of course, we want the pride of, you know, a a business that lives beyond us and we want our legacy and we want all that wonderful stuff too. Yes. So Christine literally wrote the book on this and she not only sold her practice like I did, but she had the whole, the whole gamut, right? She bought books of business. She bought practices from other people. She did that transition multiple times and then sold her business and transitioned her business out. So between the two of us, we share a lot of different ways of doing things and just Christine's experience and the help that she's provided other advisors who are going through this transition, I just thought was a really helpful thing for all of us. So with that being said, let's dive into a couple of the action items. And I'm going to be totally honest, this is hard to do action items for because there's so much involved in transitioning and selling a business and buying a business. So realistically, are there a couple of bullet points for this? Probably not, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to do our best attempt anyways. So in positioning yourself to be a successor, to take over somebody else's business, to receive a group referral, however you want to call it, the first thing that we need to do is to make it known 
that we're interested and that we're wanting to expand in that way. And we're going to have to put ourselves out there and make it known and be really forthright and expressing, here's what we do. Here's how we do it. Here's why I do it. And you want to make yourself an attractive buyer. We want the previous generation of advisors to look to you and say, you know what? I really like what he or she is doing. I really admire what they're doing and I respect the crap out of how they run their business. Because I, like I shared in the episode, you know, my business was like my baby. I raised it for 15 years, right? I gave birth to it. I nurtured it. I made mistakes with it. I persevered with it. All of that stuff. It literally is like raising a child. And to turn then your child over to someone that you're like, well, I'm not really sure if they're going to pretty much mess up everything that I did. Right. Like, and for me, I was okay. I knew the advisors taking over my practice were going to be doing different things and they had different methodologies. They had better technology. They had stuff that I didn't have. And I was excited for my clients about that. Right. So like it was some of that stuff saying like, okay, I know they believe similarly to, I do, we have similar planning philosophies and, they're going to be able to elevate the practice through these couple of things that they're doing. So that's an important strategy. If you are looking to take over a business to really draw some lines in the sand and say, here's how we do things. Here's how I view planning. Here's also what I'm going to be doing differently and being super transparent about it. And that will attract the right practice. Now, if you are like, I'm feet only and you are, are trying to take over a successor's practice that was highly insurance leveraged, it's probably not going to be the best fit. So from a buying perspective, you want to be taking over the right practice for you as well. So it really does need to flow both ways. All right, transitioning. So Christine and I went through a lot. She had a whole checklist of all of the things that you need to think about transitioning. If I had to boil it down into one bullet point, For me, the transition of my business to my successors, it came down to how do we make this as beneficial to the client? How do we put the client at the center of this? How do we position it with the client so that they know this is a well thought through, exciting transition that's going to bring a lot to the table for them? as opposed to focusing on the sad part, right? Like, oh, this advisor that we've built a relationship with that we love and trust is leaving us, right? How do we instead go from leaving us into a, they're turning us over and leaving it better than they found it? How do we have that conversation? So one, it needs to be true. So that comes down to the successor and the seller, you know, having having that transparent conversation, like we just talked about, like, how is this going to, you know, how are you going to treat my clients? How, what is this going to look like? What is your planning strategy? How long are we going to transition? And I I mean, I can't even boil down all of the steps that Christine gave and all of the things to consider. Um, But for me, it was, what's that conversation with the clients going to look like? And how is this going to amplify them? And, and I'm not saying like, Oh, how are we going to put a good spin on it? How are we going to make this sound great to the clients? No, literally what's going to be awesome for them. And let's highlight that. And then let's slowly transition them. Let's do this. Like I always just put myself in my client's shoes and say, okay, if this were happening to me, or if someone was having this conversation with me, what would I want to hear? 
So that would be bullet point for the transitioning piece. Okay. So then let's bullet point the actual sale piece. Number one, you have to have a very good contract and a very good idea of what the value of your business is and what are your hills to die on and what are the things that you could really care less about. So for me, one of the hills that I was going to die on is I took a lower price because I wanted to make sure my team was taken care of. So I had a higher offer and it wasn't keeping everybody. And it was like, well, that to me, you know, isn't worth it. I want to make sure my team will not only stay, but get pay increases and guarantees and, you know, bennies and all the goodies, right? Um, so that was one of my hills to die on a hill that I didn't have to die on was what technology platform were they going to use? I knew that they had based on the broker dealer I was with, I knew that they had a better technology platform no matter which way that they went. And I wasn't going to need to like get in there and see it and play with it and experience all the things, you know, as long as it could do this, 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 and this for my clients, I was happy. So I think you have to really feel, you know, feel comfortable with who is, you know, really getting to know. So one of the bullet points, okay, Christy and I did talk about was really feeling confident and competent in the people who are taking over and really understanding what they're going to provide. Cause it, again, it's like having a baby. You want to feel so comfortable turning that thing over to them and be really confident in your reason of why, why you're leaving. And are you making a clean break? Are you slowly backing away, having a really good contract in place, having a really good set of expectations for them and for you, um, and being able to articulate to your team and the timing of when you tell everybody is also critically important. So a lot of that stuff has to be thought through. So again, like it's hard to take (laughs) that whole conversation and distill it down into a couple of bullet points. The bullet point here would be really you need to be thoughtful. You need to be crazy intentional and you really need somebody else to step in and poke holes in how you're going to do that. So having a transition specialist or someone coming in and saying, have you thought about this? And what happens if this happens? You know, if you're taking a variable compensation package versus a lump sum, well, what happens if the market goes down by this percent? What happens if the advisors don't show up in the way that they said they were going to, and there's a higher attrition than expected, or, you know, so there's so many different things to consider and you just need a second pair of eyes or maybe a third pair of eyes in there poking holes and just saying, let's at least, and not saying that, okay, if we don't have all of the answers to everything, but at least it's, uh, let's at least think about what we're going to do if this happens, what are we going to do if, again, it's better to be prepared and to already have discussed that stuff on the front end than to have to deal with some of those surprises on the back end. But the big takeaway for me, or the big takeaway that I would want to share with everybody is that you need to be building a business based on systems and processes that can run without you. You need to have a strong number two. Your clients need to have a strong relationship with your team. All of those things will help position you for a better, more profitable sale. So again, this is where I say like, gosh, if you can't take off two weeks from your business, if you can't take off three weeks, if you can't take off a month, and come back to a business that's intact and mostly running without you, you don't have a business. You have a Libby or you have a Beth or you have a Bob. And I want you to have so much more than that. So we need to be building out specific systems and processes in our business and training people and empowering 
empowering them to have decision-making ability, to have the right licensing, to have the right access and tools and resources to be able to operate. Not only is that how you scale a business, that's also then how you can step out of it. That's how you can transition it. That's how you can take more time for your family. That's how you can have a better work-life balance while you're in it. Nobody has ever told me, I've never heard once from a from an advisor say, gosh, I really wish I didn't have as many systems in my business as I do. I mean, I've heard people say I've made them too freaking complicated. And yes, I would agree with that. Simplicity is critically important, but I've never had anybody say, gosh, I wish I was a little less organized. I wish I had less competent team members. I wish I hadn't given my team members, you know, the training and the ability to do as much as they can. I I really wish more was on my shoulders. I no, said nobody ever. Okay. So everything comes back to building a scalable practice built on systems and processes in an organized way. And that's really kind of the heart of what the efficient advisor is all about. We can talk about mindset and we can talk about marketing and we can talk about all that stuff because it is critically important. But at the end of the day, we have to step into that CEO role and really operate like a business as opposed to an advisor who's running a practice. And there really is a distinct difference. So I will hop off that soapbox for now. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week. And I hope that you found this episode with Christine Timms really helpful. I will be linking all of her contact information and her books to the show notes for you guys. Have an amazing weekend.